Welcome, welcome, welcome to another installment of 99th episode. No, no, you're never like that, dude. I'm the one who's like that. I think that's the beginning of the oh. time. I'm like, we introduce ourselves. Okay. And then I'm like, well, we want to do it naturally, right? So I'm like, well, I'll wait a minute. And then I Well, forget. you wait a minute. And then, so what you see is, I say, well, Paul. And then, and then you I say, yes, Sean. And then, boom, we've been introduced <laughs> in an organic yeah. fashion. <laughs> Just... Should we like throw a, throw a Twitter handle? Yes, Sean at Bad Deacon yes, exactly. on Twitter. Yes, yes. This has been the most organic <laughs> introduction of us ever. Best introduction ever. I'm glad I was able to call attention to this while still keeping it organic, so nobody will realize that I was calling attention to it. I think I did that very. I think we accomplished the opposite of everything we attempted to. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. We accomplished something. That that's the key point here. Yes, I accomplished something last night. Oh, tell me, what did you accomplish? Uh, I accomplished watching the movie Nobody. Uh, that means nothing to me. Oh, that's too bad. So, first of all, this was the first time I've uh, done one of the rent-at-home, like, theater, like, what are they called? Theater-at-home rentals. Uh, my co- I was go- my, my cousin's family, his wife and, and youngest son, are, are gone visiting family on a trip that they do each year. So, I said, hey, we should hang out tonight because it's... The like he has, you know, last night he had tomorrow off today, uh, so he didn't have, you know, doesn't have work the next day, so we could just like hang out. Do, I mean, not like we couldn't have done the same thing on a night where he had work the next day, but you know how it is. Like you're just more low key when uh, you don't have work. It's like we should hang out because this is like a once in a rare opportunity to, to do this. You know, to hang out without family around and all that. So. So he texts me and asked if I wanted to go. There's a, a theater like 25 minutes away from us that has like table seating, like sort of like a re- I mean, it's not exactly like a restaurant, but like they're much more spread out and they do social distancing really well because of it. Okay. And so he, he says, well, maybe we should go there and see this. So I'm like, then he texts me and says, do you want to do that or rent it at home? Because he checked and saw we could rent it. So I was like, I'm, I'm pretty much 100% on the edge. We can go either way because there's pluses and minuses to both. Long story short, we decided to just rent it on Vudu. So it was my first time doing that, and um, it was an enjoyable movie. I really liked it. It's uh, apparently you don't know what it is. I didn't before yesterday either, but I believe it just it must have just come out because I see people tweeting about it today, saying that they're going to watch it or asking people what they think about it and stuff like that. Long story short, it was an action movie. It was a good one. I could say more about it, but I also don't want to spoil anything. Well, tell me a little bit more about it. <laughs> no, that, 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 that's all you get. Like, is it um, about a person that blankety blank? Can you give me like that level of something about it? Yeah, I, I was actually going to oh, okay. see if you could do okay. some level of something. Um, so Bob Odenkirk is the main actor in it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now yeah, this is like I've heard. Of, I knew that something like this existed, but I don't know anything about it beyond that Bob Odenkirk is in a movie. That's basically yeah. the extent that I know of it. So, you know, I was, of course, you don't think of Bob Odenkirk as an action star. Like, in, in Breaking Bad, he plays, like, a, you know, skeezy lawyer that, you know. And then, uh, obviously, Better Call Saul is a spinoff of that character. So, like, the two things you know him from is not somebody that uh, strikes you as badass and intimidating, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I know him all the way back from Mr. Show. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I, I I know what it is by name. That's all I know about Mr. Show. Is a sketch comedy show with uh, what's his name? Bob Odenkirk. We just said this. No, no, but <laughs> it's it's famously him and David Cross. Okay. Yeah. They've teamed up for a lot of comedy stuff, and so that's what I first knew him show from. So when he showed up in Breaking Bad, it's like, oh, the guy from Mr. Show. <laughs> that, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, everybody else is like, oh, the guy from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, love I, Brian I did Cranston, that too. By the yeah. way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyways, he's the, the star of the movie and I, like we start watching it. I don't, like, I don't know him by name, so when I saw his name in the, like, the opening credits, like, that didn't, you know, ring any bells for me, because uh, I didn't know him by name until now, I guess. I was like, is that that guy? And so I Google it, and sure enough, yeah, it was. I was like, oh, this will be interesting. He was really good in the role. When, one of the things I liked the best about it was it's pretty, 
like typical action movie in most ways. You know, guy who is leading a seemingly normal life, uh, has a past life as some kind of badass. He has a particular set of skills type of thing. Exactly, and I don't want to say what his past life was because, like, you know that there's something there, but, like, he gets revealed through the movie. So I, I don't know how much it adds to it or not, but I, I don't see any need to say what it was to, you know, sell the movie either. Uh, you find out what it is as the movie goes on. Um, but he's, you know, leading a normal life. He, there's a home invasion robbery in his home. Uh, a couple of just, like, you know, two-bit criminals. Uh, that's what ends up sparking him to kind of go back to what he was doing. It comes down to his daughter can't find her kitty cat bracelet, and that's what makes him flip, something that's, like, worthless. Uh, because he didn't fight back. Like, he was protecting his family by doing the thing that you would do reasonably, which is not fighting back against, you know, somebody who's threatening you with a gun. Mm-hmm. But he gets kind of mocked for it, whatever. And then uh, when he realizes that his daughter can't find her kitty cat bracelet and he thinks that, that they stole it when they were stealing the money because it was in, like, a bowl with the cash that they stole, uh, he goes after them. But then when he finds them, uh, he doesn't get the satisfaction he was looking for. But then another opportunity arises. That opportunity of uh, kicking some people's asses that needed an ass kicking is what sparks like the big thing throughout the whole movie. So, but what I li- one of the things I liked about it is most action movies, you get the, you know, the the hero of the movie is trying to lead a straight life. And then something bad happens, but they get, like, at some point in the movie, they get, like, almost defeated, right? It's Commando, right? It's com- Yeah, exactly. Like, they steal his daughter, and he has to gear up and leave away his tranquil, quiet life up in the hills and go be a one-man army. Yeah, and I haven't seen Commando, so I don't know. What? But, um, most action movies, there's whoa, whoa, a point whoa, whoa, in the movie. Whoa. You can't you just casually drop in that you've never seen Commando? I've never seen Commando. I haven't seen a lot of action movies. Oh, um, my goodness, Paul. And some of them I don't really remember. Like, I was talking with my cousin last night who I watched the movie with, and uh, he was talking about his son watching all the Rambo movies. I'm pretty sure I've seen the first Rambo, maybe the second one, but I don't remember. I don't remember much of anything about them either. It's They're those movies that, like, there's so much just in, like, the lexicon of our society mm-hmm. that you kind of take for granted that you saw it, but you can't eat, like, I just, I honestly can't remember anything about those movies. I kind of want to watch them again for that reason. Yeah. And commando. Yeah. Oh, that's my list. Um, but the point I'm making is typically in action movies, there's the part where the, the good guy almost gets defeated by the bad guys. Like, you know, the, the tables turn drastically against them. And then they have to overcome those greater odds, you know, like very typical storytelling. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Get into the impossible situation type thing. Yeah, and that didn't really happen in this movie. This movie was, they, they set up that it, that this guy was, you know, a serious operator pretty early on. And it was pretty much like even, it was an even fight like the whole movie basically. Like there was mm-hmm. never that point. Uh, there was, kind of, I guess, kind of a small point, but I, I liked that they didn't drag it out. It didn't last long. They, they, that's one of the best things about this movie is they didn't drag out a lot of the the slow down, cool it down beats that, like, when you rewatch a movie, get to be tedious, you know? It's like, I don't need, um, they, like, the opening part of the movie where they, they build how mundane of a life he has. They did it very quickly. And they did it in a way that was uh, interesting, but also quick. Gotcha. Uh, it wasn't half an hour of setting up how bored he is with his life it was five minutes and i really liked that it was just to the point it was like an hour and a half movie somebody uh else that watched it last night tweeted out saying that they wished it was longer and my response was i'm glad it wasn't because anything they added to this movie would have just been uh filler that would have slowed it down so like i was glad i enjoyed it cool i will keep an eye out for that the bob odenkirk angle is very strange to me that he just he doesn't seem like that type of person. And thinking about him as a like a smooth operator or a sophisticated operator, operator is so contrary to what I see him as, which is kind of this bumbling comedic character. It's sort of like when uh, What's-His-Name became Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Chris Pratt? You knew him as uh, this, you know chunky goofy guy from uh, parks and recreation and here he is is i mean he's still kind of goofy in that movie but like he he changed himself like he, he got himself in shape for that movie and uh you know played the role very well yeah i actually never watched parks and rec so i didn't really know him from that so to me that was kind of my first introduction to him 
Yeah. You should watch Parks and Rec. Uh, yeah. Um, should I? <laughs> I I've yeah. seen a little bit of it. I've seen like a few episodes here and there, but I've never just. Have you watched The Office? Yes. Did you enjoy The Office? Yeah. You'll enjoy Parks and Rec. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much my understanding of it, is that they're kind of of a piece together. Yeah, they, it has a very similar tone. Like, uh, I felt like it was more of a successor to The Office than things that were intended to be a successor to The Office. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I also kind of trailed off watching it at some point and never finished watching the whole series, but it was still just enjoyable. I kind of want to go back and watch it again. I think my wife doesn't want to, and uh, usually when we're going to make big TV watching endeavors, like if she's not on board, I'm less likely to pursue it because she's the one that like likes to watch a little bit of a show every night like that's kind of her routine and Mm -hmm. i like to do different things every evening but anyways uh yeah watch parks if i have to watch commando you have to watch all whatever number of seasons of park well i think think absolutely equal we're talking equivalent time here i've seen an equivalent number of episodes of parks and rec to equal one commando in running time Mm, I don't think so. I think uh, it's it's you know one to one like show to movie, not you know not time. No, I don't think so. Also, you have to think about impact. Commando will explode your mind with the action. (laughs) (laughs) So it is like up to eleven of action, but I'm not sure Parks and Rec is always up to eleven in comedy. Maybe eight or nine, but I don't think it's like a mind blowing eleven. We'll see. Now you're really, really building up Commando, so it better, uh, better thrill me, or you have failed. It's over the top in the cheesiest of '80s ways. <laughs> it's just Arnold Schwarzenegger running around with a machine gun, kind of waving it in the air as he shoots, and ending up killing ten guys. <laughs> you know, like that sort of thing. <laughs> it should be good. I've seen quite a few uh, '80s Schwarzenegger action movies, um, but have not seen that one. So. Ooh. I've seen The Predator. All right. That's Running good. Running Man. Okay. Total good. Recall. Yeah. Great. Probably others that I'm not remembering. Terminator. Terminator. Yeah. Terminator, Terminator 2. Two. Mm-hmm. I've not seen anything past Terminator 2, though. Mm, really? So after that, I think it would go into, like, well, there's Last Action Hero. Oh, I'm sorry. In the Terminator series, I've not oh, seen I any see. of the ones past Terminator 2. Oh, they made I have it? seen Last Action Hero. Oh, I didn't know they made movies after Terminator 2. Uh, they recently I'm, did I'm another joking. movie or two, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm joking about the low co- lower quality of those movies. I think I've seen some of them. I've seen at least Terminator 3. Yeah. And then True Lies. True Lies is great. That True Lies is another one. I know I've seen it. Couldn't tell you a whole lot about it. Okay. Yeah, that one was a lot of fun. After yeah, that, that's the one I, where Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis played his wife, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. See, there yeah, you, you know that, that much, so you basically know half of it. Yeah. Yep. Seven Seen Commando. Mm. Oh, okay. Oh. <sighs> All right. Well, great episode, Paul. <laughs> yep. Catching up. <laughs> yep. Call it a day. I do have other stuff to talk about too. I just was going to let you segue in with something if uh, if you took the moment of silence to do so. Oh uh, yeah, well, I uh read this really great book called Sandman. <laughs> that... <laughs> I'm shaming you because we were going to record our episode <laughs> on Dream Country, but we didn't quite get to completing all the reading for that. So next time, yeah. next time. It's... For the listener, my I, I started vacation yesterday. Yesterday was my first day of vacation. Uh, I was going to read Sandman to be prepared for today, and uh, work did not allow me the energy to do anything until I got on vacation. And yesterday, I ended up being gone all day. Uh, we I took my son out to the the sports card shop, and we spent there a couple hours there, and then we went a couple other places. And then once I got home. Uh, that's when I ended up setting up to go over to my cousin's house to watch the movie. So I was home for like a couple hours and I had to feed my son and do some chores and stuff like that. My wife just got her first COVID shot. So she was kind of um, rather tired, which was my experience with it too yesterday. Hmm. I got mine earlier in the week. But yeah, so I had to kind of shore stuff up. Then I went to watch the movie. So ran out of time. But I was able to talk about the delightful movie. And I'll, uh, I'll, I guess I'll move on to the next thing that I have to talk about. Um, well, I, I don't get that. that was my thing is Sandman. Uh, I, 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 I thought that's all you wanted to say. What would you like to talk about? I, so I get my second COVID shot on Tuesday. 
I'm very excited about that. Nice. Yes. I got my first one on Monday, and I couldn't tell you for sure how it affected me because the night before I got horrible sleep. I had a rough day Monday. I had to go get the shot. I I didn't get home from being, like, I had to drive an hour away to get it. I didn't get home from that until 7 o'clock in the evening. Then I had to be up at 4 for work the next day. So I basically, like, I was just kind of really burning the candle at both ends, like, before and after. Yeah, so I have no idea how much it affected me, but I did pretty much, like, I went home Monday and just, like, passed out and then went home Tuesday from work and passed out pretty early in the evening. So I think it did definitely wear me out, um, but nothing too bad otherwise. It's weird how it affects everybody differently. And my wife got totally thrashed by the second shot. The first shot, I was fine. I just had a sore arm like everybody did. And... But otherwise, I had felt no side effects. After the second shot, my wife <clears throat> was got like every symptom on the book. And I hear some people say, yep, no symptoms at all. Some people very mild symptoms. Some people really heavy symptoms. It's just totally random what happens to yeah. people. And that's been interesting to see that it just – it really makes no difference. There's no – male, female, the type of shot, any sort of history of this or that or anything, nothing comes into it. It just seems totally random about who it affects and who it doesn't in terms of the side effects. Yeah. You know, all I can guess is it's kind of like just getting sick normally, no matter how healthy or unhealthy you are, everybody eventually gets a cold or the flu, like at some point, you know, that's all I can guess with, with uh, the vaccine is, you know, it, how's your immune system handle it in that moment? Like, even if you are very healthy, it might just hit you in the right way to, you know, cause yeah. symptoms. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll be what it'll be. I like, like you were telling me you're taking the day off after your second one. I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, all my employees that are getting it, same thing. Uh, like whether they want it or not, I'm giving them the day off, uh, after their second shot off. Uh, because we don't need a, a whole bunch of people calling out from their shift because yeah. of uh, of the symptoms. We'll give, we'll give it ourselves the room, you know. Also, it could come on at strange times. That happened to a friend of mine at work. He got his second shot one afternoon uh, during this week. And the next morning, he messaged me back. He's like, uh, yeah, I feel fine. No problem. And then around four o'clock in the afternoon, he sent a message. He says, I take that back. I feel terrible. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I've heard yeah. a lot of, of stories about how it comes on and kind of time frame, And it sounds like pretty much everybody, like it'll hit really hard and then just kind of go away at a, at a certain point, you yeah. know, not like a normal illness where it's like you get sick and it gradually, like as you get better, it gradually eases off. It's just kind of like it hits you hard. And then suddenly you know, it's done, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I haven't actually been reading much or doing much out of the ordinary. I have been continuing to read Starman, and that's been the bulk of my reading over the last week or so. I'm just kind of plugging through that still. And yeah, it's been kind of just a it carry on with a little bit of everything week for me. I don't have anything new and interesting to talk about. Just the old interesting stuff that I've oh, already Star- talked about <laughs> to talk about. Starman's very good. I have read some different stuff, um, but it's, it's been one of those things where, you know what this is like when you're, you know, like work is stressful and tiring and taking all your energy. You can't really force yourself to do something. Like if you are like, I have to read this thing and you sit down to read it, like you'll just, you won't get anywhere with it, you know, Mm -hmm. but then you might be able to just read something else that you just feel like on a whim just because it just feels right at the moment, you know? Yeah. I find myself getting distracted and wanting to read a bunch of other stuff now, all of a sudden, even though I'm in the middle of these certain things. I think I have like five things going right now. <laughs> I'm trying not to do that. I mentioned to you this week, I want to start watching. I want to watch Neon Genesis Evangelion again. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that just kind of something must have piqued my interest in it again. It kind of prodded at my interest again to make me want to revisit it. I haven't seen it all the way through since I think around when it came out close to 20 years ago or so. And so I'm curious if I will still enjoy it the same way now or if I'll look at it differently because it's kind of it's kind of like Catcher in the Rye, I feel like. Yeah, your perspective it, changes, then it hits you differently. Yeah, because 
Catcher in the Rye, I think, is a book that is very much going to hit somebody who reads it in their late teens in a very particular way, Mm -hmm. like late teens or early 20s. And I don't think... I don't think if I went back and reread Catcher in the Rye, it would affect me in quite the same way because I'm not a young, angry guy anymore. <laughs> I'm an old, angry guy. <laughs> That's different, <laughs> right? And so I don't know how much I would relate to. Was his name Holden in that book? Yeah, Holden, yeah, Holden Caulfield. Caulfield. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much I would relate to Holden Caulfield again, and. Neon Genesis Evangelion is in many ways about a bunch of kids put into this really stressful situation that all have their own traumas that they have to deal with in their in their past that they that affects who they are now and affects how they deal with them as the, as they move forward while also having to deal with this super stressful situation of trying to save the earth from monsters. That sounds a little stressful. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's it's a bit stressful. Yeah. It also sounds exactly like Power Rangers. I don't really know much <laughs> about Power Rangers because I don't think I've ever watched it. And what I have watched, I haven't really gotten beyond the it's just some people flipping out and doing weird stuff in, in weird outfits part of it. So to me, Power Rangers is nothing but colorful warriors flipping out and fighting rubber monsters. Yeah, I was never a Power Rangers guy. I was just kind of joking with that comment anyways. But uh, my my little sister liked Power Rangers when it was the thing. But I just recently watched uh, one of those. The I, th- I think it was the Toys That Made Us that I watched. And so I was talking about the, the show and all the different iterations that they had and kind of how that progressed and stuff. Because that tied in very closely, obviously, with the toys. Um, and it was, it was interesting, but... Just something really struck me that um, it's just like high schoolers that fill this role of, as the Power Rangers. I don't remember how they got their powers, but it just kind of struck me as funny. Like, it, imagine Saved by the Bell, but they also are superheroes. That's funny. I was just going to say, it strikes me like the high school stuff being like Saved by the Bell high school stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's Saved by the Bell with colorful outfits and rubber monsters, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Yeah, some of the characters, the the monster characters are pretty interesting. My son, uh, he's calmed down with it, but he loved pop figures, um, you know, the pop vinyl figures. Mm-hmm. And, like, when he was a, a, a baby or toddler, like, he just obsessively loved them. Didn't matter what they were. And then as he's gotten older, like, he still likes them and he's always intrigued by them. So sometimes he wants one when he sees really cool ones. And we found this one, like, he he's never watched Power Rangers. I didn't watch Power Rangers. And it's uh, called Pumpkin Rapper, and it's a rapper who is a pumpkin. And I was like, that's just super cool because he's a rapper and he's a pumpkin. And for some reason, his head's upside down. Like, he got that pop, and I just, like, I've always thought it was really cool. And they have um, some, like, nicer quality Power Rangers figures. You've probably seen them in Target when you're trying to find G.I. Joes or something. They're like, yeah, when I I can find a dozen Blue Rangers, but I can't find any stinking G.I. Joe classified. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they have a pumpkin wrapper in like in the, that figure line. I've been tempted to to get it just because it's cool, but I have no connection to it, and it's like it's not worth spending thirty bucks on a figure just because it's you know quirky and weird and cool looking. Um, but if I find that sucker, um, clear, no, it's definitely not worth that, Paul. <laughs> that would be crazy to do. <laughs> what? Well, j- <laughs> I feel called out, Paul. <laughs> The figures you get, you have a reason behind getting them. Like, you don't just arbitrarily, like, oh, look at this random thing. I'm going to get it. You know, like, even the, um, the like, the indie toys that you get. It's like, you, you think they're cool, and they're interesting, and you, you are focused on that line. You're not just, like, grabbing things from, like, all these different places, right? <laughs> it's it's okay, Paul. You, you don't have to salvage this one. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I I know what you mean. <laughs> I also passed on pumpkin wrapper, even though I saw it and thought, "Well, this is a interesting, weird figure." Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I threw you I threw you off of your game. <laughs> I think you know what I meant, though. I know what you mean. I'm kind of just giving you a hard time and playing it up for fun. Yeah, you go cry and play with your toys when we're done. I will do both <laughs> those things. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to uh, to segue to something else. 
So anyways, as far as like reading and stuff, I stumbled across this manga called Blood on the Tracks. So somebody on Twitter, you know, tweeted about it. It was recommended to them from somebody else who, you know, highly praised it. And it just sounded uh, like it, not that a lot was said about it, but it sounded different and interesting. It's like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. Uh, when I went to get my shot, uh, I went to uh, to Bull Moose and was able to get, the, I got the first couple volumes, like 10 bucks a volume. And I read the first one, and I don't know if I like it or not, but I'm compelled to keep reading it. It's It's very, what's the word? It's like, it's very unsettling. Like it was recommended as like a horror story and i i don't know if that's exactly true but it's just like it's one of those stories that just leaves you feeling uncomfortable and i like i said i don't know for sure if i like it or not but it's just like i feel so uncomfortable that i want to see what happens but i also didn't want to spend a whole bunch to read this series so uh, i ended up and this is where like it's really cool when when you're into you know comics and whatever and you make friends like sharing is a great way to um you know, to be able to experience different things, but then also not just like buy tons and tons of stuff and have it build up. So I ended up messaging the person who recommended it, who I knew only read the first volume and was like, hey, if I pick these up, do you want to buy them for me for like half what I pay for them? So that way it's like I can read this, but then I know I don't want to keep these. And then I, you know, like you get the benefit out of it too. So that was kind of cool because I was able to do that. And I picked up uh, volume three and four and I got to hit another sort of pick of volume five because they didn't have it at the one that I went to. But it's uh, just such an odd, unsettling book, and it reads really quickly. But um, yeah, so that, that's that's what I actually ended up reading because I was able to like sit down and, and focus on it. Um, very strange book, though. Hmm. That makes me think of a couple things. <clears throat> one, there's a new Junji Ito collection out. Oh, what's the new one? I forget what it's called, but my comic shop sends out uh, an email every week of new notable stuff and they had the new Jinji Ito book in in that list it's called love sickness okay so it seems like it's a story collection similar to shiver or what's the other one smashed stuff like that so it seems like it's, it's kind of along those lines so that is on my radar to pick up yeah, Junji Ito, like, it, stuff's been coming out so quickly. I, I'm assuming there's just, like, a lot of work there to release from over, you know, a long period of time. Uh, because it seems like there's constantly, it wasn't long ago that, uh, I think it was called Ramina came out. Yeah. Um, that one is intriguing to me. Um, it wasn't long before that that the um, the one, I can never remember the title of it. Um, the one with the story where of the, the holes in the mountain, you know? Oh, yeah, the yeah. Venus in the blind spot. Yeah, that one. Yeah, like that just came out not long ago. I, every time I see a new Jinji Ito book, I'm tempted to get it, but I keep on telling myself, okay, I got to read some of the ones I have first because, you know, these can build up quickly without me reading them. Yeah. Um, I'm still, like, in the middle of Tomie. That's one of the many things that I have in progress. Um, Tomie is good, but, uh, like, it definitely feels like his first work, and the just the nature of the stories where it's not like one big growing story necessarily even though they do build on each other it's a bunch of short stories um it's hard to get the same kind of rhythm going with reading it so kind of paused up on that um but yeah i I had picked up a few of them that i got from uh some ridiculous book sale for i think like 10 bucks each or or less um so i'm like okay gotta read some of these and then i can pick up more gotcha okay yeah, it's Junji Ito is always tempting. I, I saw the the pop figures they have for some of his stories. I have decided I'm not going to get them because like that gets to be a slippery slope. When every time you see a a, <laughs> a toy that is in the realm of something you like, you're like, "Yep, I'll get that." You know, spending another like forty. Well, I guess like was it? They're like t- pops are twelve bucks each normally, so it'd be like forty eight dollars if I picked up all four. It's a little steeper than just something to do on a whim. Yeah, the way I try to think about something like that is. Do I need a reminder of this thing that I like? Because for me, I think the action figures that I go for, it's things that I I like them in action figure form. It's not just a reminder of a thing that I like in book form, because there's plenty of things that I enjoy in book form that I am passing on in action figure form. Like recently there was this, 
a set of Lord of the Rings figures started. I forget who's putting them out, but they look pretty nice and pretty detailed. And I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And these are based on the movie versions of the characters. And it looks like they're going to put out the entire fellowship and some orcs. And the build a figure is a giant Sauron figure, which is totally badass. But <laughs> nice. I, I realized, you know, I don't like these things as figures on their own. I really only like them for being a representation of this thing that I like, this movie and books that I like. And so I decided to pass on them. And the things that I tend to get are things that I like because I like them in figure form. Like G.I. Joe's, they're originally figures. And so my attachment with G.I. Joe is an attachment to figures. And a lot of these smaller toy companies that I've been following recently, they only exist as figures. They're not books or movie characters or anything like that. So they are primarily figures. That is primarily the way to interact with them. So that's that's kind of how I tend to approach those things. I, I, I remember the Ghostbusters figures came out not too long ago. I'm sure you saw them in Target because they were <laughs> warming pigs everywhere <laughs> in Targets around the world. Yeah. And I thought about them for a while, like, man, maybe it'd be cool to get these. I love Ghostbusters. But then I kind of thought, well, I don't really like the Ghostbusters as figures. I like it as a movie. So I don't necessarily need the figures to represent my appreciation of the movie. Because I guess I'm looking for figures that represent my appreciation of the figures, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of cool figures that I've seen like right in line with what you're saying. Like they have uh, back to the future ones at target that are, you know, mm, cool. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like all these things are like, yeah, Oh yeah, great that example. movie was cool. Mm-hmm. But you definitely don't need all of them. Um, you know, all these different things. Uh, they, they're cool to look at, but uh, like Ninja Turtles is a good example for me where even with that, like specific, it depends on what the figures are representing. Cause there's some that I see, uh, like I had tweeted out, they had a super shredder from TMNT two, the, the second movie in walmart i looked at it and it was cool and like i don't see these things in person a whole lot so it's always tempting when i see them in person and be like hmm would i like this or not and i looked at it and it was it was cool like i'm glad i saw it but i didn't want to spend 30 bucks uh for it because i don't have a bunch of like tmnt movie figures and i looked at the figure i was like i wasn't i wasn't impressed by it enough to me like his face looked kind of weird and it just you know it was cool but i was like nope don't need this so like even even though I I love the Ninja Turtles and there are some figures that I have that I like having I don't need all the figures even different characters like I might want them represented one way but not another hmm, like in Target yeah. they have uh, I think it's NECA has been doing uh, two figure packs and I had a year and a half ago picked up the one that was Bebop and Rocksteady because I love them they're my favorite characters and I love that one right now they have Splinter and Baxter Stockman and. Baxter Stockman's a really cool looking character and I like Splinter, but I have um, a Splinter from the movie style one and I like that better for Splinter than I do the cartoony style one and Baxter Stockman's cool and like if they had just Baxter Stockman, I might be tempted to get it, but like with a two pack, it's, uh, you know, I I don't want to spend that much on, you know, just because one's okay and one I, I like a bit more. You know, it's it's hit or miss, and it kind of depends on how I want the character represented, but I don't want every character. I don't need, you know, like, I don't need to go get every turtle. I don't need to buy every one that they come out with, you know. I don't need two packs of foot soldiers and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it definitely feels better when you get to the point where you're not impulsively buying just because you don't know if you'll ever find stuff again, you know. Yeah. Buy it because you mm-hmm. like it. If you don't buy it because you don't love it, and then, they, you know, you don't find more figures, like, sucks sometimes, but... You know, I think it's better to do that than to get in, caught up in the like the you know the FOMO of everything. So here is the craziest thing that happens in my head, and I know that this is ridiculous. I know that this is crazy. Hasbro will announce some figure, some just who knows some Marvel Legends or Star Wars figure, or, and I'll think it's pretty cool, but I'll think to myself, you know, it's not quite cool enough, and I'm gonna pass on it. And then I see it sells out real fast and I could have pre-ordered it 
and I think, oh man, I should have got it. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the stupidest thought because no, I already decided when I was thinking rationally and there was no s- scarcity built into this, no sense of like losing out or missing out. When I had the opportunity, I thought, no, I don't quite want this. And it's only when that scarcity kicks in that it makes me think, oh man, maybe I should have got this. I really made it. I made a mistake. And that is just, it's so weird to me that my brain does that. And I have to remind myself that, no, I decided that I didn't want this. And it's great that it's sold out because now other people will get it that do want it. And I don't have to think about it, but it's just so bizarre to me that that thing happens and how much this scarcity and this idea of missing out affects how we feel about things. It's, yeah. it's a, it's so, so strange and it's so irrational and I wish it was a switch. I could just flip off in my head somehow. Yeah. I, I think you learn to do it by practicing the not giving into that. You know, once you kind of break the, the chain, it's a lot easier um, you know, kind of like if I was collecting something and then I, I don't want to keep on collecting it, it's hard for me to keep it because like I'll still have that impulse to collect it. But if I sell all of it or part of it or whatever and kind of break the the collection, then it changes that compulsion. Like since I finished collecting um, Uncanny X Men, the like few random comics that I had otherwise, like I'm starting to look for people that are trying to collect them and selling them off, you know, to, to friends kind of for cheap to where it's like, I get them out of my collection. I help a friend, but then it's like, I know I'm not going to like, I've, I've turned it off in my mind. I'm not going to pursue trying to finish building these certain collections. Um, especially cause they're bigger ones and cost prohibitive and stuff like that. Like I, I, I don't want to do that. I'm done with that. So it's like when you turn it off and change it, it's kind of like you just said about the action figure. If you decide you're not going to buy it and then it sells out, you might like at first you have that twinge of like, oh, no, I should have. Mm-hmm. But then when you process it and realize, no, I decided I didn't want to. Well, now the moment's passed. The only thing you could do is go and pay like way too much money for it on the like secondary market. But like once you would like talk through it with yourself and are like, nope, I don't want this. Then like the more you do that, the easier it gets when you have those opportunities to be like, nope, this is actually not something that I want. Um, an example for me. So like I, I in the past, I'd gotten some wrestling figures, you know, you know that I had uh, gotten some uh, Marvel Legends. I sold you the X-Men ones that I had and you know got rid of the rest of them. Yes, they are great. And they have made me now have to get all the rest of the X-Men. So, <laughs> so darn you for that. <laughs> but yeah, like those things are cool. And I'll still sometimes see like uh, right now they have X-Men's. Uh, figures from uh, what is it the the Hawks box yeah exactly House of X uh, Powers of X Powers of Ten whatever and I, I'll see them be like oh man that Wolverine looks cool but since I broke that I'm like I'll be have that like slight twinge of being tempted but be like nope not gonna do that with wrestling figures AEW has been releasing figures and they're hard like they're hard to find in the store. And a big part of that is because resellers buy everything and then resell it immediately for more money, which uh, just kind of sucks on its own. With the AEW figures, there's one that really stood out to me that I wanted. It's um, it's this uh, Mexican wrestler, uh, Pentagon Junior. Uh, he his name like on the figures, uh, Penta El Zero M. I think is is the name he goes by in AEW. But anyways, like he's really cool because he not only does he wear a mask like a luchador, but he also has his face painted like a, like a skeleton. So like, he's got two layers. He's got face paint and the mask and like just his whole look is awesome. If I found that in Walmart where it's like 25 bucks, I would get it because like, that's like, okay, I, that's an example of something that I would take that leap for and get like this one random thing. You know, uh, I, I love him as a wrestler. He looks awesome. It would be cool to get. Well, I saw that figure in a vintage toy store that they have all this old stuff, but they also do what I was just saying about resellers, where they buy stuff off the shelves in Target and Walmart, and then they resell it for more money, and is like thirty-two bucks. I was like, no, I'm, I I would love to get this. I'm not going to spend the extra money and you know pay over what it should cost to get it. And so it's like there that line is drawn for me, and I'm still every time I see it, if I go in there, which I've I've only been in there a couple of times, it's kind of far away, which is probably a good thing. I see it, and I'm like, nope. 
I, I would like to get it, but I'm not going to cross that line because I decided what the line was. And I'm still tempted, but not going to cross it. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting to me. And something I think about is this fact that people will go and buy up everything in Target and then resell it. It sucks for one, right? It sucks when yeah. there's nothing available on shelves because people are buying everything so that they can resell it for more. Like I think about it in terms of well, what can be done, and it seems like the only real way to combat this is to flood the market with way more product than is needed, like the Ghostbusters figures. There's, no one had any trouble finding those Ghostbusters figures if they wanted them, and my guess is that they just they made way more than there was demand for. Yeah, and so it then became worthless for these people to go and scoop them up because nobody was willing to pay any more than the price at target. And there's so many at target. They're easy to find that. Why would anyone do that? But then from these companies perspective, if you're producing way more product than there is demand for, you are losing money because you're overproducing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, it's this weird bind and I know that it's tough, especially as a G.I. Joe fan. These The recent G.I. Joe figures have been such a struggle to find. And a lot of that is due to them not making enough to fill demand, but also people just swooping in. And when they are available, buying up everything to make sure that they can then resell them for a higher price. And it's uh, it's just such a strange phenomenon. The whole toy collecting thing is just different now in that it's all about pre-orders and it's if you want something it seems like you've got to pre-order it if you want to make sure that you want it that's really the only way to make sure is to place a pre-order yeah and i I think that's where there's kind of like lines between like you know collectible toys or toys aimed at adults and you know toys for kids and What's going to end up happening is this market we're in right now where everybody wants to collect things because of this pandemic and, you know, they want to do it because it makes them feel good and they're stressed out and stuff like that. But then, you know, they're also, they can't do the things that they used to do, so they can't get the distractions by going out and doing activities. So, like, just the whole collectibles market from comics to cards to toys to everything is screwed up right now. And at some point, I was at, uh, talking with uh, somebody that I bought some cards for, uh, from on Twitter about it. I'm like, at some point this market's going to pop and the people who are doing it, the, the sketchy way are going to get burnt. Like I have no problem with somebody like if you know, one figure is worth a bunch of money and you actually stumble across it in the wild and you buy it to resell it, and make a profit. It's, it's the luck of the find. It's different from the people that go and buy everything all the time so they can control it and make money off of it. And I was talking to this one guy, I'm like, at some point, this card thing, the the market's going to burst and people that buy up everything are going to be stuck with it because people are going to finally get satiated and get fed up with paying, you know, 50 bucks for something that should cost 20 bucks at Target. And right now people are paying it and they're going to keep paying it until one day it's, you know, the the value is going to flip on everything and then all these things are going to be worthless. And he was saying that, uh, you know, he hoped that didn't happen, you know, to him. And I told him, like, you're not going about it that way. This guy's buying cards because he wants the the cards. He wants to open them. Like, he's a card collector. And he's riding the wave of the market with stuff, which everybody is going to do. But the the intent behind it isn't, I don't give a shit about these cards, but I'm going to go buy them all. And then I'm going to sell them to you for twice as much or more because I can. And then, like, if the market busts and you can't sell them anymore because nobody's buying them anymore, you're stuck with all the stuff you don't want. You know, he's doing it from the angle of, like, I love cards. So if he gets stuck with them, guess what? He's going to open them, and he's going to have all these cards, you know? And he's not making himself upside down financially by investing all of his money in something and then not being able to turn it around and get that money back. Just like the jerk at the beginning of the pandemic that was buying out all the hand sanitizer he could and selling it on Amazon for ridiculous, you know, prices. Oh, yeah. And then Amazon kicked him off so he couldn't sell he was stuck with like ten thousand dollars of hand sanitizer (laughs) yeah it's like what are you going to do with that like that is exactly the you know the type of person that deserves to get burnt and it's just it's sickening and it's so visible with me with cards i saw somebody tweet a picture and then somebody that i interact with uh comment on it and so i saw it on my twitter timeline and had a table just stacked with boxes of cards because they were 
doing this thing and hitting, you know, hitting all the stores and buying everything they could. And I saw that and it just makes me sick because people who actually want those cards can't get them. And these people go and do that and then they're taking advantage of people that that want these things. I mentioned that I took my son to the sports card shop yesterday. It was just to go have fun. Like, I knew that they don't have any packs or boxes to sell of anything that I would want because they the only thing they ever have in really is either the, like, a random thing here and there that just hasn't quite sold yet, uh, but will within minutes pretty much, or the kind of clunky stuff that's, like, the stuff I wouldn't want, you know? So, like, I spent my time digging through the, the dime bin of basketball cards, and my son basically, like, he looked around for a little bit and then played a, a game on my phone while I looked. You know, but while we were in there, like we heard, you know, person after person coming in with their kids like, oh, you know, I wanted to buy some packs of football cards to open with my kids uh, to, you know, to get them into this hobby that I love. And they can't they can't get any of it because the the way the market is, it, there's nothing there and there That's should bizarre. be stuff there. There yeah. should be stuff there. And it's absolutely 100 percent because of the people that buy everything up to resell. Well, also, it seems like it's. It sounds like it's also that underproduction thing. Well, yeah, and that's the right? problem with especially something like sports cards. If you overproduce, then you are going to end up ruining the the market in a much more damaging way. 1988 tops all again, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, is, I just yeah. bought a, a box of 90 and 91 Donruss baseball cards, complete sets for 12 bucks each at a flea market. They're pretty mm-hmm. much worthless. Like it was just for fun. I kept. I, I I sorted out some cards. I took out like I got you know the King Griffey Juniors. I got the Dodgers players. You know, it's like I'm happy to get a couple of Kirk Gibson Dodger cards that are absolutely worthless. But Kirk Gibson, you know, is the like a you know a Dodgers legend from the '88 World Series, and it's cool to have a couple of cards of him in a Dodgers uniform because he was mm-hmm. only with the Dodgers for a few years. You know, he's one of those like journeyman type guys, and. None of that's worth anything. But then also as a kid, those were the sets that I got because even as a kid, they were cheap because I didn't get them until years after they were produced. And so like their their price plummeted because they were overproduced. But the the design of the cards like those resonate with me because I got those as a kid. And even now, like with with newer cards, when um, they'll do they'll use like throwback card designs in as like insert sets or stuff like that in different things. Like, I love that because it's like, Oh man, this is what I liked as a kid, but now it's actually also nicely made. Hmm. Yeah. So if you know, like they, they can't flood the market because then that would cause a, a different kind of problem with the card market and devalue things. And that wouldn't be good. So it's kind of like, you just got to write it out. But the, the price of things has gotten absurd. When I, more seriously collected cards for a few years. I would get hobby boxes of kind of like medium end stuff, like not the high end stuff, not the low end stuff, but like kind of the stuff in the middle. And I'd spend like between a hundred to two hundred dollars for a box of cards, uh, and that was you know like I typically got my value out of it. Um, I've gotten some great hits that I you know that were good, but now those car- like I can't do this anymore because. The, the things that I used to buy are like four hundred, five hundred dollars, and wow, it's just completely like I'm, I'm priced out. So that's where like now I'm collecting in a different way. I'm not chasing value for newer cards. Uh, I've made some friends on Twitter that buy and sell. They're big card collectors, so they buy lots of stuff and open it, and they sell off the the stuff that they don't want. So you know, some Dodgers cards are worthless to them, so they sell them for like you know a price that's reasonable for me to get. So I can buy, like, I just bought a, on eBay, actually, and I, I don't buy on eBay a whole lot for cards because, like, I've made these friends. But a Tony Gonsolin Tops Inception rookie card. Uh, I like the card design on the Inception cards. There's nothing super valuable about them. I have no idea how much it would cost to actually buy a pack or a box of these cards. But I, I love how the cards look. I bought this Tony, and Tony Gonsolin's not any kind of a star. He's a Dodgers pitcher uh, who, obviously, it's his rookie card that I, I think I said it was his rookie card. He's you know so he's a young player. He's not anything amazing. I like him because he's on the Dodgers. The Dodgers just won the World Series. I like him because of his character. His nickname is the Catman because he loves cats. And like every time you see him in a T-shirt, he's wearing one of those uh, quirky uh, cat T-shirts. You know that's like a you know how, like there's all these T-shirts that are basically like a meme, but in a T-shirt. Um, hmm. Like he's always wearing something like that. It's just hilarious. He has this great character. So super happy to get that card. Cost me two bucks. Cool. If I bought a pack of the, these Inception cards for, I don't know how much they go for, like 10 bucks more, 
if the best card I got was that card, I probably would have felt okay with the pack because at least I got something I liked. But man, it's a lot better to just buy it for two bucks and not get all the other stuff. You don't have the chance, obviously, of getting some crazy valuable card, but with how little money I could invest into this, like, what are the odds of me getting something that's very valuable? Yeah. So, newer stuff, yeah. that's what I do. I, I, I skim the stuff that other people don't want that they want to sell for cheap because then it's like it's helping them. I get some stuff to enjoy, and that's all I want. And then aside from that, like at the card shop yesterday, I said I was going through the, the dime basketball cards. I was looking for a bunch of uh, – I got a 100 Metal Universe basketball cards from the 90s. Nothing that's very valuable. I just grabbed all of them that I could. And then the guy that owns my card shop that I go to, like I had 107 cards, so it should have been 1070. He's like, eh, five bucks for those. Nice. Because you know, they're just junk cards to him. Yeah, that's just the the leftovers. It's just gravy, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I picked out some, you know, I got some other cards, like nothing super expensive, but, you know, that's the thing. Like we're talking about the toys. Like you can be like, I have to get all this stuff. And then you can pre order stuff like that. It's easy to get caught up in a, ha- a hobby and be like, I have to have this stuff. And then you spend all this money. And then you end up like the whole hobby is about what you have to have and not really what you enjoy. Or you can look and say, like, hey, this. The, the cost of this or the, the the means I have to go through to obtain it are unreasonable for me and are not worth the enjoyment I would get out of it and just decide to do it differently, you know? Bad Idea is an example with comics where a lot of people, like, they didn't want to jump through the hoops to get the comics, and I was about to give up on it, and then I found a way that worked for me. And, you know, it's I think it's all, like, you know, reflect on what you actually get out of things and figure out... Sometimes you can figure out a different way to get enjoyment out of something, uh, even when stuff like we're seeing right now with trying to get toys or trying to get cards or whatever, you know, like if you know you want the GI Joe toys, pre-order them. If you know you love them, but don't it's pre-order not everything. That easy, in though, case. It's a problem. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's there's some stuff that can't be pre-ordered because it sells out so quickly that the people with bots built to buy it yeah. and get it before you can actually physically push the buttons to purchase it. But, yeah, you know, that's a whole other. Yeah, that's where you got to. It's just like with trying to buy cards. Like, I, I would love to go buy a box of, you know, Don Russ football cards at Target for 20 bucks and then open it and enjoy it. As It's not going to happen now. Like, I, I've gone to, before stuff got as crazy as it was, I've gone in Target and I've been able to buy some cards. And it was awesome. You know, I could do it kind of casually when I wanted to. I started kind of checking when I went in if I had to go to the customer service desk because I knew that's where they kept the cards. Um, I would check, do you have anything? And they didn't, and they didn't. And then finally somebody told me, like, you got to show up on weekdays at this time. We get stuff in every day, and it sells out immediately. And I just wow. I said to myself, like, I, I don't want that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to, you know, stand in line and wait to get a chance to get something. I don't want to be, like, in a group with all these people that the majority of them are people that I think are pretty crappy because they're taking advantage of this to make money and – taking something away from other people that they should have. And it has nothing to do with they actually want the product. They're just trying to take advantage of, of what's going on, you know? Yeah. When I was doing the G.I. Joe thing and waiting around in Targets trying to get those figures, I did find that most of the people seemed like people that were just genuinely interested in the figures. All yeah. the people I talked to were people that were just, they were fans. They wanted the figures because they liked G.I. Joe and they really liked this line. And so that was actually pretty refreshing. I'm sure yeah. that there was a ton of the other thing. And I think what happens is there's a ton of like deals that get worked out between target employees and people that are going to resell them. Like, hey, set these aside for me. I'll give you $20 when you give them to me to check out. That sort of thing. I'm certain that that sort of thing happens. Yeah. yeah that's just... I, I've learned to just accept it and, and deal with it. The card thing, this has got to be a bubble, right? I mean, I, I'm not sure. I'm just... This is me looking from the outside in and not really paying attention to it. But I see, like, card collecting has just blown up recently. And it seems like... It's got to be a bubble. I, I think it is. I, I could talk about card collecting for an hour just on my thoughts of what's going on right now. I think it's definitely a bubble. Um, I think that what's happened is going to shift the card market in a way that will stay shifted even once this bubble pops. But I think what will happen when the bubble pops is cards that are like selling for way too high right now will come down in price. I don't think it's going to crash 
because the card, as long as the card companies are keeping the production runs how they should be, I don't think there's going to be a crash. And that's where that's important. Like there may be the desire for stuff, but don't flood the market because you're just going to create a, a real problem in the future. Um, but I think what will happen when the bubble pops is you're going to get a lot of people with, you know, thousands of dollars of cards, uh, you know, that they're trying to flip and sell for, you know, two, three, four, five times what they cost them to buy. So is it kind of musical chairs on. and hopefully they don't get caught without the seed at the end? Is that kind of what is happening? I, I That's what I think will happen when the bubble pops is the people that uh, that are just, you know, hoarding this product to sell for more will get burnt with it. And that's where, you know, like I said, if, if you stumble across one thing that you know is valuable and you buy it to resell it for a little bit more money because you know people that would want it. Like I did that with a, with a G.I. Joe toy, but I bought one and mm-hmm. sold it for, uh, you know, a bit of a profit because I stumbled across it in the wild. Like that's going to have there's nothing wrong with that. But if you go and say, oh, man, I can make money off of this and you go buy every single G.I. Joe toy that you find at Target and then flip them all for a profit. That's where you're taking everything from everybody else and you're setting yourself up to get burnt. Because I could tell you like with G.I. Joe toys, if I did that, I could have spent like a few hundred dollars. And what I would have found is most of the figures, what I could have sold them for on top of what they cost in Target, I would have lost that money in eBay fees, shipping costs, yada, yada. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's not worth it. And that's where cards, you know, cards are much smaller, easier to ship without it being costly and stuff like that. So you can take advantage of that more. And, you know, buying cards can be like an addiction. It's like gambling. Uh, You know, you get something good and, man, you want to go back and get some more because you're hoping for that next big hit, you know? Yeah, I remember I used to collect digital cards. Tops had digital card collecting apps. I guess they still do. And when the Star Wars app launched, I got really really heavily into that to the point where I was buying cards on eBay, trading, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And I had a pretty decent sized collection. And if I'd sold it at the peak, I probably would have made a a ton of money. In the end, I sold my collection of digital trading cards for about $800 total, Mm -hmm. which I mean, itself is kind of crazy, (laughs) right? Like that's a, that's a ton. It was super addictive, though. I was doing it constantly, and it was a lot of fun, but it was also just very, very addictive because it was like gambling because it was, I think, similar to actual packs. It was the idea of you buy a pack, they release an insert into the pack, so you have to keep opening packs until you get that insert card. Mm-hmm. And is sometimes you get it after a couple packs. Sometimes you have to open up a hundred packs before you get it. And it uh, was very, very crazily addictive. Yeah. Like what I found with cards is aside from like setting the bar too high for stuff that I want to have, for the most part, I could find something that satisfies my desire in a very affordable way. You know, like I mentioned the Tony Gonsolin card, like I've gotten plenty of Dodgers baseball cards and basketball cards. Um, There's things that you got to spend more on, like to get a LeBron card, you got to you're going to spend a little bit more because he's such a big star that like just period, you're going to it's going to cost a a little bit more. But you can get things that are more reasonable, like I'm not going to get a, you know, a LeBron auto patch card or something like that for any kind of a reasonable price. So like I know that's unattainable. But I can target getting some, you know, like lesser known player getting something like that to where it's like it's still uh, I have a card that's like a piece of game worn jersey patch of a Lakers player, Um, you know, get an autograph, you know, of a player like stuff like that. Like I may not get the superstar, but if I really like if I really, really want to have that superstar card, you got to pay out the butt for it, you know, but you can you can get the things that are like similar to it but without kind of crossing that line of cost and value where it's like I don't want to spend $500 on a a fancy LeBron card. I'd be happy having, you know, some regular LeBron cards and then, you know, maybe spending 20 bucks on a Lakers player that was a bust, but to have that card where I can see like the cool, you know, Lakers jersey and the piece of the patch or what, you know, get some of those other details that are cool to have. 
and you know and do it in different ways um that's what's cool about like really being into a team where like you care about the the minor players because they may not be stars but they still make some cool cards for those players and then you can get like the cool cards for the players that are are not huge stars and then just regular cards of the players that are huge stars and you know kind of find a yeah. way to balance it to in a way that's uh, attainable for you that is a wise way to approach it you know what time it is though it's time for me to wrap this up so I go to a flea market. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of 99th episode. I have been Sean, and you can find me at Twitter at Bad Deacon. And my friend here has been Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Who's Paul. And you can find more of these episodes wherever you found this one. So find them and listen to them. And we'll be back to talk about all sorts of things in the future maybe even sandman next time so maybe even sandman that's exciting (laughs) all right so until next time paul good shopping